welcome to On Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, next Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people. So I'm very excited for this episode. We talked to Liam Harrison, who is one of the most famous Muay Thai fighters in the world. We talk about his early career and his progression in the sport, especially as a career and as a brand. He has a lot of insight into how he made it and how he really developed things. So without further ado, the interview with Liam Harrison. So thank you so much, Liam, for being on the show today. I really appreciate you taking your time out. How are you doing? I'm doing well, mate. Um, obviously, it's been a crazy time for everyone at the minute, not just fighters. It's been a bit of a struggle trying mm -hmm. to prep yourself for fights and stuff when there's always the chance that they are going to come off, which has happened to me, I think, four times now. I think I've trained for four fights since I started this, and not one of them's happened. <laughs> so that's been, that's been a bit of a struggle, but I've been lucky enough to keep myself busy with other things, my website, my clothing brand, um, YouTube channel, etc. So I've managed to keep myself busy. And it's now looking like there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. So some fights are starting to come to progression now. And it looks like things are opening back up in the UK and got a lot of shows and a lot of things to look forward to now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some of the things that have been keeping you busy are definitely things I want to touch on today because I feel like you have been very successful segueing your fight career into an uh, actual career, which not so many fighters have done. But, you know, why don't we start at the beginning? Because I think your time in Thailand really shaped your career overall. So why did you spend your time in Thailand? How long were you out here? And how do you think it shaped your later career? Uh, well, the first time I went, it was just for like a short trip, three weeks, just to train. Um, I didn't plan on fighting or anything like that. I was only about 16 or 17 the first time I went. Um, that was the first time I got like taste of training like with the tides and stuff like that. It wasn't until I was 18 when I fought a Thai champion. Like I'd fought a couple of Thais with decent fighters, but they weren't elite level. When I was 18, I fought a Thai called Duao Kongudom, and his fight before me, he beat Anawa. I just thought, I'd won 29 pro fights in a row, and I just thought, oh, I don't know what, it won't be a problem. Round two, I knocked him down, and then he got up, and he, he beat me with an inch of my life. I mean, he battered me over... Um, and it was just a complete shock to the system. And I thought, you know what? If I'm going to fight with these guys, there's something that needs to change drastically here because I won't have a chance. So it was literally, literally that fight. I remember the day. It was 28th of November. By the 1st of December, I'd booked a flight and I'd gone to Thailand and I stayed there for, for two years. What I did was I stayed for six months, came home for a month just to rest my body. Mm. Six months, came home for a month to rest my body. Six months, and then another six months. I was there for two years overall. Um, I probably fought there about 15 times or 16 times over two years. I mm -hmm. uh, fought in Lumpini Raja. I fought on some of the big midweek shows and I fought on, um, I fought like top 10 ranked fighters mm -hmm. on some big televised shows. I built up a decent rep for myself. I think out of 16 fights, I think I won, won 12 or 13 and lost three or four. Mm -hmm. um, I made a good rep for myself out there. Um, so that was from being like 19 to 21. I've, and I think, I think that way we're a massive part of my career doing that. I think, although obviously building your way up in Thailand, I want making massive money and stuff like that. Mm. Just the experiences that I got as a fighter and life experience. I got to live in the gym with the Thais, train how they do, fight in the big stadiums. Um, I fought with some of the best fighters out there. I got to travel around fighting on different TV shows and around all the different provinces and stuff mm. like that. I fought to, if I needed a bit of extra money, I flew off and fought to Simui or Phuket. I won at Islands. So I flying around everywhere and fighting everywhere. And it was just like those experiences, like you, they're invaluable. Like you, there's not a lot of fighters who do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Like for Island now, like they will live there and stuff. When I were doing it, this one, this is talking 15 years ago now. So there weren't many doing it when I were doing it, but there are quite a lot of good level foreign fighters now who just live in Thailand. Mm -hmm. Especially all like the Brazilians at the minute, mm -hmm. they're doing um, there's a lot of fighters out there doing that now and uh, yeah, I think it's great for the sport and great for a fighter just to get that experience. It's not like over here where there's, you've got to wait to fight. If you fight out there and you knock someone out in first round, you can fight again like a few days later. You can, yeah. you can always, there's different shows going on everywhere, different styles of fighters and it's, the experience is, is massively invaluable, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I know you mentioned uh, being able to fight very often. One of my favorite stories that you had was you mentioned once, I think you you put a big bet on yourself and then you <laughs> lost. lost. And then yeah. you were like, oh, fuck, I got to pay rent. I got to pay my gym dues. <laughs> so you flew down to Phuket. Um, you know, your leg was battered and you just fought. <laughs> um, you know, that that's a very good, you know, life experience. You know, mm-hmm. just having to... The gambling, the fighting, like everything is very valuable, I think. Yeah, well, I learned my lesson the hard way with that one because <laughs> I put a few bets on myself and I'd won the fights. But on the back to this one, I was so sure I was going to win. And the guy were ranked top 10 and I'd, I'd have probably gone top 10 in Rajan Amnerna for the one, which would have been massive for me, massive for my career. Um, and I just lost it. I had one judge give it to me and the other two give it to him. It was just a really close fight. Mm. Obviously, I bet on myself and I got no money left. And it were either go home or stay there or ring my mum begging for some money which I didn't want to do or like go home or just like go go fight then I Jitty had bet on me all the other Thai trainers had bet on me they were all disappointed I would didn't have no money and then as he just said ring around I'll ring the promoter in Phuket and go down fight you might get 15,000 baht which was enough to pay like two months rent because by this time a year into it I got sick of like sleeping on the mattress mm, in the gym and yeah of course so, it just got too much. By this time, I was living in an apartment next to the gym, so I had to pay my rent and yeah. stuff like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I learned the hard way on that one. Yeah. The, so you were uh, 21 when you went back to England. Do you feel like uh, just being out there um, after your time in Thailand, it shaped your career in terms of sort of how you build your name? and um, like how? Because I feel like you definitely developed a career, you know? And you've had a bit of a trajectory. Yeah, um, I think it definitely did because whilst I was out living in Thailand, um, there were a few times where I flew off to fight in Japan as well. So I was getting known, not just in Thailand, I was getting around known in other places. I think I fought in Japan by the time I was 23 or 24. I'd fought in Japan five times and won them all, won all the fights. Oh no, four times, sorry. Um, I'd fought there four times, won all four free by knockouts i'd made a good name for myself in japan i made a decent name for myself in thailand all the promoters knew me a lot of like the decent gyms all knew me and then when i came home then i started to build my name up more around europe i mean i had a deep like I'd, I'd fought a few of the decent europeans but then around like 23 24 um after i just beat Anawat, then i started fighting like some of those like the top level europeans as well so then i was like known around europe the ties knew or what obviously i'd be Anawat, I'd, I'd, I'd lived there by all and then um, a lot of the best Europeans started coming in to fight me. And uh, I got wins like over like Kulbin and Mediza 2 and Usain Banu. I went through my career, which were, they were some of like the, the, the best, the best ones. Don't get me wrong, I've, I've fought ones like Fabio Pinker and I lost that fight as well. Because mm-hmm. he's probably not the, the best European, but he's one of the best fighters I've ever fought, mm-hmm. including the ties. He's a, he's a great fighter. But yeah, I did, um, I think I did it right by really going to gain the experience. And although, there wasn't much social media when I was living in Thailand and stuff like that. I did. I would come across so many different styles. Like I fought Jabber Askarov when I was living mm-hmm, in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Really European style. He would just try to rip my head off. Even stuff like that prepared me for what I was doing when I came back to to the UK to fight everyone. Um, I was getting sent out to fight around Italy and then a few. I fought in France and other places. So like that mixed with what I did in Thailand and I was getting a name built up everywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm obviously and so I had a good name in Asia, good name in Europe. And then what were happening was they were flying all the Thai champions in to fight me in England and there weren't many fighters at the time. Not like now. We've got a lot of good English fighters now who can mix it with us. Like only me and a, like a few of us. So I were always the one who were fighting the Thais and they were bringing them to England to fight me and stuff. So it, it all just worked perfectly for me, I think. And it made like me, made me a good name worldwide. Mm-hmm. And when you had more of your career in England, you had to sell tickets, correct? What was that experience yeah. like? Because... Oh, here in Thailand, you just go and fight. Yeah, obviously. Um, well, in England, promoters will too. You, you can be the best fighter in the country. If you're only selling 10 tickets, a promoter ain't going to touch you. Mm. I was lucky. I've always had like a lot of friends and family who supported me from the off. So I've always been a decent ticket seller. As I started to get more known, and because my style is, is a fan-friendly style, I, I, I always look to KO. I'm always, I always fight hard. Um, a lot of the times it ends up being a bit of a, a dogfight and a war. I was lucky, so more people started latching on and latching on. 
Mm-hmm. So even my first like pro fight in England when I was like 14, I still managed to sell like 30 tickets. Oh, that's good. For a first timer, I think the promoter might have thought, you know what, 30 tickets. I'm on. I, I only got paid about. I think I got paid 30 pounds or 40 pounds. <laughs> or 14. I probably bought 30 tickets. He's made quite a bit of money there, and then I knocked him out in the first round. So I probably I think that promoter, which was Master Skin, I mm-hmm. fought on every of his shows from being 14 to. 18 when I, or 19 when I went to live in Thailand I didn't miss a show and he had two or three a year mm-hmm. so I would, I, I would get him a name built up so it was the same crowds and then every time I'd sell him more and more tickets and it would get to the point where I was selling, easily selling over 100 mm-hmm. and then it wasn't just my friends then a lot of other people because I'd had quite a few knockouts on that show they were like oh Liam Harrison's fighting will go and, and mm-hmm. that, like, that sort of built up like that mm-hmm. I would look when I went to live in Thailand I still kept the good uh, fan base and stuff when I came back, and I still managed to to sell the tickets as well, which mm-hmm. is it's my and you need to be able to, especially now with social media and stuff. It's, I think it's a lot easier than it was back then, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because obviously you can promote yourself, you can put clips of you knocking someone out, or you can put a clip of you having a crazy war where people think, "Oh my god, watch this guy! He looks excited." Back then, with no Instagram and Facebook and all that, it was just word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like I say, I was lucky. I've, I've always been like, I've had a good fan base from Leeds. Leeds football supporters, Leeds boxing supporters, people like Josh Warrington, Leeds Thai boxing supporters for like us in the Bad Company gym. They are the best. They they, we all, they all stand no matter what the sport, they will go support. Like if they've got someone doing well, they'll go support it. So I've been lucky, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like today, fighters today, they've got to, like, it's easy for them to push it on Instagram and mm-hmm. sell tickets, promote themselves like that. But it was, like I say, it was tougher back then. Yeah. So uh, one of the things you sort of talked about is how it's easier for fighters to market themselves. But do you feel like a lot of them are marketing themselves well? Um, and like, how how do you think you're marketing yourself differently from other fighters? I've got the experience. So I've done most of the stuff that these guys are going to be wanting to do already. I mean, I've I've got all the Thai experience. I've fought the best fighters on the planet. Um, I fought all the best European. I've literally fought the best fighters of this generation. I fought every single one mm-hmm. of them. Um, some have lost, a few have won. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, yeah. but even we have had an exciting fight or a war, and I can always just push. I, I just have a few clips on my Instagram, which still still help boost mine. I see fighters doing it these days, but they've got to build up to that level. Mm-hmm. But some of them, I look at and I think, you know what? That's really good content, and others. I want to. I want to like slide into their inbox and go. You're doing this wrong. You need to do this, this, and this. But what would work for me might not work for someone else. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, just like putting a few. I do it like weekly. I always keep my Instagram always with content on. Just a clips of an old fight, clips of a knockout, yeah. or a clip of a technique, or just some just something a little bit different each time, just to keep people interested and stuff like that. I see some pages on Instagram that are really, really good, and I see some that have. I can see the trying, but they're just not there yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I say, I, I've already got the the clips and the experience and all the fights to just make it. It's, it's easy for me yeah, to yeah. do this because I've just got, I've got all the fights there. I've done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, put some on the way up trying to do it. It's going to be a bit tougher until they get a little bit more experience and a few more fights. But as long as they keep building it the right way, social media is an amazing platform for a fighter to have. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things you said earlier was you know you you had the strong base in Leeds and then you were basically out here in Thailand for two years six months on one month off how were you able to bring the fans from the UK to Thailand and were they watching your fights or was it just like you know the few blogs and stuff and sort of the word of mouth you know how how did you retain that fan base there was a forum called Axe Kickboxing oh right right (laughs) And I just sent all my friends and my, my family who wanted to know about my fights to that forum. Mm. Uh, I'd always have someone film it on like a digicam uh, mm. beside the ring and they'd film the fight like just so I could send it home to my dad so he could watch it. Mm. Uh, but that's about as much as it got. And then you could like upload videos on there, but this was like fucking... It, it, was only, it took about three days to upload a video. <laughs> so it, it's, uh, but yeah, we could up, you could upload the fight on there and people could watch it on there. Mm. Just telling all my friends who were going out to kickboxing, you can yeah. like follow what's going on and stuff like that. So that's what it was like, just a forum. Yeah. I suppose it was like, like Facebook is nowadays, you know, you've got lots of different pages you can follow on Facebook or Insta. Mm-hmm. That was just a forum for Muay Thai and kickboxing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember it, of course. I wasn't too active on it, but Rob, of course, was yeah. on it all the time. You know, there were some pretty notable people on there at the time. You know, it was a real hub for the sport. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But what I was to just start happening all the time where everyone was making fake profiles, just tro- <laughs> trolling everybody. What <laughs> else turned into just people making their fake profiles? It was funny, though. There were a few good arguments on there. Yeah, I mean, it's, those sort of things happen. And, you know, I do feel like the, just the way things are, the attention shifted, you know, from the forums to blogs to Facebook. And now I definitely feel Instagram is where a lot of the attention is. Uh, what do you would you agree with that? How do you feel about that? Yeah, massively. I think most of my most of my business comes from Instagram. Mm-hmm. Whether it's my website, whether it's my clothing brands, whether it's my seminars, mm-hmm. I, most of it all on there massively. Mm-hmm. Um, that is page of the two main things, and especially when there's stuff like you can do paid advertisement and stuff like that. I get people paying me to advertise on my page for them and stuff. Um, right. As long as you can build it up to a good base like that, there's always going to be a source of income coming from social media. That is, it's, it's, it's huge. It's, like I say, for a fighter, it can be an amazing tool. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely something I want to talk about because you do have the clothing line, you have your podcast, uh, you also have your sponsored, um, what's the, it's a male grooming kit, right? That sponsors yeah. you. I, I forget <laughs> what it's called, but like, I know, like, yeah, you manscaped. Know, yeah, manscaped. You know, you guys are always joking about it on the podcast, and you yeah. know, it's funny. Um, but, but to be fair, for because uh, like, he specializes in below the belt grooming, yeah. you have to joke about it, really, but <laughs> it prove what we're actually saying about it, yeah, if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. But that, that's a really good sponsor because they sponsor the UFC, mm. they sponsor Garnu, they sponsor all top level guys like that. <laughs> yeah. So, decent sponsor to have on board, for, especially for our podcast when we'd only just started it out and the podcast itself that's just going to be something that's slowly in the background i'll do one every now and then just to keep it running that's going to be there for more when i retire and i've Mm -hmm. got more um but like we did that and we started it in lockdown and we somehow got sponsored by manscaped straight away which is pretty pretty decent to be fair yeah it's a you know i'm very happy for you um yeah, it's not on a consistent basis, but the quality is generally good. I listen to it all the time. You know, I like it. You guys are pretty up to date with your news and your discussion, so it's good. Um, but w- since you're not as uh, focused on that, what are you focused on? Are you more focused on your clothing line or the training site? And why have you decided to do both of those? Well, the clothing line, me and my friend run that. Uh, my friend Clint, he's, the, he's an actor. So we both, this, the clothing again is just going to be something that we slowly just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Mm-hmm. And when we a bit of extra time into it, I think we're going to be, we've already got an agent for that who reckons he can push it onto the high street or onto ASOS already. But I've said I don't want to rush that because obviously I'm a fighter and my time is going to be spent on over the next few years on fighting mm-hmm. and Someone goes up the high street and then I suddenly need to call into a business meeting or something like that. But I can't leave fight camp to go off to London or something like that. He said he reckons he could push it onto it there now. But I said, let's leave it a bit longer. I said, when we're ready, I said, let's keep building it and keep building the, the page on the Instagram. He's got, we only started it like six months ago or something. He's got nine, nearly 10,000 followers on there and stuff. Mm-hmm. Build a, it's a steady income. Um, but when the time's right, when I probably I retire or maybe I, when I've got a bit of extra time to myself and it clean, I'm in, on set, he's always on set acting and stuff like mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. I fight we will really push that forward and put a lot more of work into it. Mm-hmm. It's still going very well and I'm happy with how it's gone. Um, but yeah, there's a lot more we can do and I've got a lot of good ideas for it in the future. So, But I think that again, that'll be more like when I retire that, that I'm going to really push that one mm-hmm. forward more. Um the website, I've just literally just finished filming for that. I've been in gym all morning filming mm-hmm. for it. There's there's so many much stuff and so many different aspects of Muay Thai that I can just keep drip feed up mm-hmm. into that over, over. So that's always going to be there for me to, to put in. Because if I go work with a new trainer who I haven't worked before and I learn something new, I just put it straight on there. Mm-hmm. So if I, everyone else can learn something as well because there's so many different styles and so many different things that I still see every day. If I go train with someone new and I think, wow, how have I not known that? I've, I've been training for 22 years, but I still learn every day myself. Mm-hmm. Whenever I learn something new, I've just got it straight to put on there. Um, I've got a lot of good top fighters in my gym around me as well, who I 
always will put them on there and yeah. put their there because I'm not as arrogant to think that my style and how I fight and stuff. There's a lot of people in my gym who can do stuff a lot better than me, mm. so I may as well them to teach that and put that on the website mm. because not but that I'm not that good at when I've got someone in my gym like Jordan Watson who mm. can do it a lot better than me. Right. Uh, but that's always going to be like a front runner. That's one of my, that's probably my, my that well it is my main source of income, mm-hmm. and I want. All my mem- I've got a lot of members on there and I want to keep it all up to date and I want to always have them give them something fresh to work with. I want, I've want i been getting messages recently that are absolutely amazing, like saying, oh, mate, I use this technique in my fight and it won me the fight. It's one of my got off your website. I, I put one up <laughs> on my Instagram on my story last night. And when you get messages like that, it's like, yeah, I'm proper buzzing about it. Mm. Um, yeah, one of the interesting things I think you have on there is you have Vinny Shorman also doing some like anchoring and mind coaching technique which is definitely different you know a lot you know a lot of it's very technical uh which is good you know it's pretty easy to understand technical tips uh what sort of other things are you going to explore um just well i've got two different snc workouts strength and conditioning ones one for more for strength and one for like explosive power because people say to me all the time oh you're very explosive you're very strong and fast where does that come from and um I do that. I've put the my exact SNC workout or that I do on there just to help with my explosive power. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's on there. Um, I'm just putting. I've just literally filmed another a new f- thing today, just about ring craft and controlling mm-hmm. the like mm-hmm. that. I only filmed the, the first part today. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep building, building, and building because there's so much you can just add to that to it every single month. Um, obviously, there's the anchoring with Vinnie Shawman and on there. There's just like different sort of like. Not just techniques, it's fitness stuff as well, that mm-hmm. conditioning due to a fighter. I've got like a few drills that I do with big weighted plates. I've put like a clip of it on Instagram oh, before. Yeah, yeah. for you know, like knees and stuff, right? Yeah. So in your like, strengthen your arms up a bit and stuff like that. I try and put like literally every aspect of everything I've ever done in any training, whether I even still do it or not, or whether I've worked on it in Thailand and I do it or whether it's a, a technique that I used to use before, but I don't use that much now because everyone, everything, as you get older, your style changes a bit. Mm-hmm. I got like now I did like 15 years ago, but a lot of the stuff I did 15 years ago still works. So there's literally everything on there that I have ever amassed from Thailand, from my strength and conditioning coaches. I'm even considering putting a, a nutrition part on there just because obviously the elder older I've got, I've realised how to make weight better and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I'm, I'm even considering putting that on there next um but yeah there's like lots of different avenues yeah. i can explore and just in terms of the infrastructure of it was it hard for you to get it started because you know in terms of the sort of digital landscape i feel like there's not that many you know legit muay thai fighters doing this sort of content how did you come up with the idea like what you know why did you start doing it so I don't, I, my seminars have been had been really really busy for like years before this probably about three or four years they're absolutely flying I was doing them every other week or flying around Europe I'd done a few in America and someone just said to me in America wow that were amazing but I forgot it all already he said can I go to your website and to refresh I went oh, I don't have one and then while I was in America there were so many people after the seminars all said the same thing mm. and I thought oh, what I'll look into this I got back home started doing more seminars it had gone out of my head again. Uh, and then I did one south of England and some guy came up to me and said the exact same. He said, mate, don't take offence. I've turned up over today. He said, I went out for a friend's birthday last night. He said, I can't remember most of that. He said, can I, do you have a website that I can go refresh it all on? Mm-hmm. And I went, no, a website? I went, no, what are you doing? He went, there's my card. He said, I'm a videographer, a photographer and a web designer, mm-hmm. which is all things I need. Yeah. In one. Plus, he loves Thai boxing. Mm-hmm. So took his card and I went out for a beer with my mate and I pulled it out and I said, oh, what do you think it's to this idea? And my mate went, do it now. He said, ring him now. He said, this will, that would be the, the best thing you ever do in your life. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, well, people sign up to this. And then my missy said, well, look how many people come to your seminars. Look how well your seminars are doing. Everyone wants you back. Everyone's enjoying that. And I said, yeah, but no one's done it before. I said, I don't know. I don't know any one fighter who'd done it at the time. I think there were... Tiger Muay Thai had something similar, but they're not, they're not in a fight, that's a gym. So I was just thinking, oh, what if it just bombs? And she went, well, if no one's doing it before, do it, steal the market, get there first. Yeah, yeah. Went, all right. So I rang the guy, he drove to Leeds two days later, we sat down, we had some food. Um, and then he came up to Leeds, we filmed for three days straight, mm. and 
having the camera in front of my face for three days at first, I fucking hated it. I, I was like, I've always been like good at talking at seminars and been good at talking to people, but just talking into a camera and by day three, me, I'd filmed so many videos. Yeah, I think filmed two hundred and fifty videos in three mm-hmm. days or something, and my brain was just burnt out, and I was getting all my words stumbled up and all sorts. <laughs> but then when he showed me the website, I was so happy with it, and what. Mark's a perfectionist who runs my website for me as well, and he's very, very good at what he does. Mm-hmm. And then, like six months or a year down the line, he went, let's update this, let's make it look a bit funkier, let's make it look a bit better, mm-hmm. which we did. And then we updated it again and said, like, right, let's get it more mobile-friendly, which we did. And then we said, right, let's bring an app out, which we've just paid for the Android and the iPhone thing mm-hmm. today. That's come out today, so that's coming soon um the app won't look as funky as the website does and stuff like that it's gonna to have to be a little bit more basic just so it's easy to use for people yeah. um but it's still coming and it's still gonna be there um i think but yeah i think the app is really gonna help people i've watched you know a few videos on my computer uh you know but i'm not gonna have my computer when i'm at the gym i will have That's my phone I'm... like yeah so i can be like oh you know i have 15 minutes like Let's look at one of the drills that Liam does. Okay, I, I just do this. Well, I get so many messages of people who run gyms who just say, mate, whenever I can't think of a lesson, I just look on your website, write a few things down, and I've got a lesson planned for a week then. <laughs> we, someone's got the app. They can just, even if they're like getting the fighters warming up, then they can't think of it. It's just a quick tap. <laughs> right. That's the lesson I can go, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to add this another thing that I might even add add into it i'm gonna might start an an instructors only section where mm. I've, i just put out for them week by week and it might be a, a monthly a monthly thing where you can just plan one week will be this next week will be this next week will be this mm. how it all follow on all linked together and stuff like that that's another thing i could play around with yeah. as well yeah i mean i definitely think that's a good idea because you know a lot of instructors don't have the same level of experience as you you know yeah e- even me i have like 30 fights which for an American is a lot of fights, but yeah. it's really not that many, you know. Um, but it sort of, you know, explains the experience gap. And, you know, a lot of instructors need that experience somehow. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's good. I think as well, I think I've inspired a lot of other people to start doing it because there was just me on my own doing it for about two years. And I just remember just whenever I would post on an Instagram promoting it, I never saw it. And now I'm seeing it everywhere now. Yeah. Other fighters from England trying to do it. There's uh, seen the the evolved guys. We're not going. Sam mm-hmm. here all doing it. And when all this started, that just gave me another kick up the ass to I think up my level mm. on my. I, I rang my guy. I said, right, mate. Everyone's. Everyone, <laughs> I said, like, listen, we need to up the game. Went, right, let's make the website look better. Let's make it more mobile friendly. Let's do this. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. And it a bit of a kick up the ass as well. And I think my website looks. Compared to some of the others that I've seen, I don't want to sound like blowing me on on or all, but compared to some of the others, I think the way mine's set out, how it looks and how it works, I think it's like a, a level above most of them. As always, if you'd like to follow me, you can do so on Instagram, Matt Lucas Muay Thai. I always respond to messages there. I also have the website, matt-lucas.com or email me at apuredmatpuredlucas at gmail.com. Thanks to all the people that have supported me so far, sharing the podcast, leaving reviews. If you'd like to leave a review, that would be super helpful. You can do so on the iTunes store. After years of hard work, studying, and being in the game, I published I'm Fighting in Thailand, a guide to the sport in the motherland. is a Muay Thai encyclopedia. It goes over scoring, matchmaking, picking gym, fight styles, gambling, Muay Thai culture, and more. It contains a series of interviews with long-term expat fighters, including Michael Savas, Willie Whipple, Lisa Brealey, Angela Chang, and others. It is a great guide, educates, and helps guide careers by helping save fighters from costly mistakes. It is a definitive guide and is available on Amazon as an ebook and in print. So go check it out. I'm fighting in Thailand, a guide to the sport in the motherland. But it's good to see other fighters doing it as well, and especially if they can earn a bit of a living from it yeah. for when they retire. Especially like the guys like Sami Nongo. I, I, I hope he does really well for them guys because obviously they des- from the careers those guys have had, they deserve to 
to make a lot of money from it and stuff. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, there's two things. One is uh, your website is good. Like the user layout is pretty good. It's, you know, I paid, it was real smooth. So, you know, I definitely recommend it to people. The other thing is right. like uh, with Sam A and Nong O, like the, I feel like, you know, part of the seminar experience and the learning experience is personality. Um, yeah. So, you know, one of the reasons why I assume you've done so well with your seminars is you have a good personality. You have to put that across when you teach. And like a lot of the Thais who have great coaches, if you just put them in front of 50 Americans or 50 English, there's always going to be that language barrier and that bit but they can't just maybe explain that little bit extra bit of technique that needs to make the technique work. So say if I'm saying, like, let, let me do a long guard, if they can't explain or use the words properly how to just maybe put your hand from there to there and then it don't quite come out properly, mm -hmm. people are going to get a bit, a bit lost. And like you say, personality is massive. I like to try and make a bit of a joke and stuff when I'm training. I, I, I like to make people laugh. I like to make them think they've had a, not just learned a lot, but just had a good day out and a good afternoon and mm -hmm. laugh, learn some stuff and stuff like that. Like you say, personality is massive. Um, and I'm luckily, luckily that I've, I've made myself into a likable character over the years and people have like warmed to me. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, you know, I definitely think it's helped with your seminar circuit. What is it like doing the seminar circuit? Because you've just been on a massive run. Uh, you were in the UAE over at yeah, Jason Woodham's place and then yeah. all over Florida and uh, around the States. What is doing the seminar circuit like? It's good, but it's very tough. Excuse me. Um, Dubai was amazing because we only had four seminars. I was doing a few PTs. I was training twice a day. And I was just having, I just didn't really enjoying it because it was really, really relaxed. Cool gym, cool people. I loved training at um, Muay Thai Muppets with Jason and those boys. It was really good. But then my knee ballooned up with fluid on it. Oh. And I'm thinking, oh, shit. I thought, if if I my knee goes here and I've got to fly to America, I'm going to lose so much money because I think we had like, 18 seminars in 20 days or something and we were oh. getting paid for um i thought right i need to stop training mm. i went to a doctor he drained the fluid off my knee and then i was a bit worried about for what if it comes back now and and I, I can't find another doctor so i had to stop the training a little bit then which i was gutted about we flew from dubai to boston which was 15 hours then we had three hours in boston airport then flew from boston to florida which was another three hours and then we also had an eight-hour time difference compared to what oh. we were on. I had one day off, yeah. and then our tour in America started. So me and Andy, my cousin Andy Alston, we had one day off or one and a half days off, and then we had to get straight into it, and we just didn't know what planet we were on at the start. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I was, I was walking around like a zombie, literally having like triple espressos before seminar started mm -hmm. so we could get herself going in that. But once we got into it, we were absolutely fine. Um, Andy's also a very good coach. He's got a lot of experience himself. Mm -hmm. um, he trains a lot of top-level fighters, not just in Muay Thai, in MMA and stuff as well. So me and him, especially because we're cousins and family, we bounce off each other. So when we were doing that tour, I think um, a lot of people enjoyed it just for how everyone said, like, oh, you got such good chemistry together. Um, how have how, how you got that good chemistry? I said, I've known him for fucking 35 years. And my cousin I said, I think we should have chemistry together. But... <laughs> Obviously, he's got a different teaching style to me, similar but a bit different. Mm -hmm. And it, we work when we're teaching like that. Um, but once we got into Florida, I think we had like six seminars in six days in like Tampa, Orlando, in Miami, in Kissimmee, somewhere else, and we were just all over. And then we had like one day where we went to a WWE wrestler's house, Alistair Black. We went to his house and trained him and his wife. We had one guy who just rang it. Well, his PA messaged me out of the blue and said, "Can you come to my own private training facility?" Some, some guy um, called Nick and I was like oh, I ain't got time I said we're doing a seminar every single day yeah. so I told his um, his PA I said listen I ain't got time I said maybe this time obviously I didn't know who he was I want a proper gym which is his own yeah. private facility and I said I can't do it this time tell him I'm sorry tell him maybe get in touch next time a bit earlier so she messaged back and said no no he wants you there I said I've just said I'm too busy he said, I'll give, she said they'll give you $10,000 for oh. three hours <laughs> I went, right, I said, I'll see you. <laughs> me and Andy went, and he had this training facility like I've never seen before in my life. I don't know if you saw it on my story on Instagram. Yeah. Walked in, he had like eight um, like super muscle cars, Mustangs, Dodges, Camaros, 
are unbelievable, all in mint condition. He had a big uh, Yokao ring and all the Yokao bags. He had like a living quarters and everything. I was like, what is this place? He went, oh, this is just my um, my uh, my little getaway where I like to come and just be my little, my dude place. They do trains here. He said, just me and my, me, I've got three friends who I do martial arts with. I said, just us three. I'm like, this is the coolest place I've ever been in my life. So we just stayed there with all three guys, so four guys, sorry, and then we we did a three hours with them and they paid us 10 grand. It was unbelievable. And the guy was such a nice guy as well. He wasn't like smug or anything. Like mm. he, he had a little seat. He got his own private jet and he's talking about flying to England to train with a bad company. But for, <laughs> yeah, that so when you're out there in these places, although it's very tiring, like in America, like we're bang, 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 bang. Yeah. We were making good contacts, obviously. Like we were in a WWE wrestler's house. When him when he posted that on his his page, I had people like Randy Orton and people are commenting on it, which is huge. You know what I mean? If you can like make these contacts like mm-hmm. that. Uh, and then obviously that that Nick that that were amazing getting to work with him like that and stuff. Um I made a lot, a lot of good contacts and then although it were hard bouncing around, literally every gym we went to, they all said, Right, when can we book you in again? Yeah. I was like, Listen, give me a break. <laughs> Because I, I were only doing that because my fight with Pongsari got cancelled. Yeah, I was yeah. so dated. I trained so hard for that fight. Because I'd had three fights get cancelled before, but they'd all got cancelled like um, four weeks out or something. Mm-hmm. So I'd only been training for about four or five weeks. So it wasn't like, but for that fight, I'd done 12 weeks and I trained so hard. I got And six weeks out, they rang me and said, oh, like, Singapore, I'm going to let you in. Stop training. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought, and three days later, they rang me back and said, right, we're working with government. They're going to let you in. I'm like, are you sure? And they're like, yeah, we're sure. And then I blasted another six weeks and I got myself in really good shape. And then like just a couple of days before we were meant to get on plane, they were like, oh, well, you can't come. <laughs> so that got me devastated. So I literally got straight on phone with Jane Dubai. I said, right, so I'm coming over. Can I train there with you? Yeah. So put word out on my Instagram, coming to Dubai, who won seminars. So we got four then. Mm. And then, friend in florida i said just tell him we're coming i said and then we got we were in florida for eight days and we did six seminars and we had one day off and then one day to travel we helped, we got six seminars and he said he could have got us another six more easy mm-hmm. in florida mm-hmm. and then we also had 15 booked in for texas and i just had to because we've done so many and so i had to tell texas that, listen we'll come back and just do texas mm-hmm. on its time i said because i'm so tired here by yeah. the end of the last seminars the traveling everything and like bringing the same energy to every seminar like i say, i try and make it like a really good experience for mm-hmm. everyone range mentally and by the end of it i couldn't even get my introduction out about stumbling my words and stuff <laughs> like that the explanations are going to mean and stuff and, and my words just won't come out properly because i was so mentally tired mm-hmm. so they would have gone to texas and done another 15 yeah that's definitely understandable i mean it's like it's like being on the road for a band or something you know yeah, yeah. yeah just without or drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, what do you think people are, the students are getting out of the seminars? You said like it's a little bit of personality, a little bit of technique, but why do you think people go to your seminars? Because I, I, I put the videos up of the techniques that I show working in fights mm-hmm. for me against top level opponents. So I think it's like they can clearly see it does work. And I, what I always say to everyone before the seminar starts, I say, listen to me now. I said, everyone has got a different style. Some of the stuff I teach here today, you might think that will never work for me. I won't ever use it. I said, but others, you might think that is perfect. So pick something out here that resonates with your style. I said, because what works for me, every single technique that works for me, only one or two of them might work for you. But those one or two are still going to be worth me coming because you're still going to make an improvement in your game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what people like to, because I try and make it so there's a bit of everything thrown in there and I've got a good structure of how the seminars go bam bam bang and everything leads on to somewhere else and I always say to everyone listen if this isn't work someone says listen this isn't working for me it's all I can do and I say right adapt it to this and do this and this and you watch people have light bulb moments if you know mm-hmm. what I mean they go, ah, I, I wouldn't have thought of that so it's not like I'm just teaching some generic thing that everyone has to do I always say put your own spin on it Mm. And if someone, had, listen, Liam, I'm not quite getting it. It's not quite working for me. I say, well, try this instead then. And they'll go, wow, that were amazing. I, I wouldn't have ever thought of that. So there's like always, I, I, I try and like look at, a, at someone who's trained. I think, right, that might not work for them, but this will. Mm. Uh, so I, like an open mind. I know that what works is perfect for me, what for everyone else. So I try and like adapt my teaching for how that 
person is as a fighter or or how their build is. Like someone really short, ain't gonna be able to do something that's really tall. Mm. So I'll around them. If I see someone who's really tall, struggling with something, I'll go around and say, like, like this ain't gonna work for you. Try this instead. And it, when you watch them go, ah, yeah, that's a bit of a light bulb moment for them. And you got good feeling watching people learning and you know, watching them just like up the game just a little yeah. bit. Even if like. They just even if one you learn one technique today, but that one technique you get it perfected, then That's it's true. still going to be worth me adding something to your game. Yeah, uh, one of the things you talked about before was uh, networking and you know being able to go to Jason's place, being out there for a while, and then also having a buddy in Florida, uh, being able to set you up with these uh, seminars. How how do you, how important has networking been for your career and how do you go about networking yourself? It's been massively important. And the, the thing is with networking, the easiest way to, I can say is to do that is just don't be a dick. You've, <laughs> you, you can't be up yourself. You need to be friendly and you need to make friends with people. That's what it's about. And I've met, met so many great people in this sport, like Jay Woodham, who runs Muay Thai Muppets and stuff, that I could just say, oh, mate, can I come over to your gym? And obviously, I think me having him in his gym and stuff, like that, he, he was buzzing about it as well. I did some pads with him and he got to pad with me and I pad with him and stuff like that. And it's a good buzz for them as well. And we're friends and we've known each other a long time and stuff. And I'd like to think like over the years, by not being a total dickhead. You'll get some fighters who might come up and get a bit smug and too big for the boots and people think, you know what, he's good, but he's, he's, a, he's an idiot. So yeah. they might not be as welcoming to someone like that, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But I've, I've kept my feet on the ground um, and I've, I've made these friends. They're not like contacts. They have made friends, not just contacts, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I have got my friends to be able to say, oh, mate, can I come to your gym? Oh, mate, would you mind doing this? And yeah, that's what it is. You've got to be, be likable and you need yeah. to make friends as well as the contacts, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. You know, people do business with people that they like. You know, yeah. if you're approachable, if you're nice, they're like, oh, okay, I can contact him and he's not going to be a dick to me. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I try and, like, get back to everyone on Instagram. All the Instagram's insane and I do get yeah. a lot of weird... <laughs> of some... <laughs> Honestly, if you not believe some of the shit that I get on there, it's outrageous. I scan through the mess because I come out of your inbox... I, I deleted all of my messages out of the other day. I looked three days later and there was like 200 messages back in there straight away. Oh, fucking so it's hard to keep on top of them, but I'll, I scan through some of them. And if it's someone just asking for a little bit of advice on the first fight or a little bit of advice on something, I'll try and give them an answer just so I'm, I'm getting back to them. I've, yeah. Obviously, I can't do it for everyone. And I don't look at every single message because, like I said, there's too many and it'll, I'll be there all day. Mm-hmm. Misses, like, get off your phone, you're always on your phone. Yeah. I'm saying this for business. Uh, yeah. On my phone, but um, but yeah, try and try some just something like that, just giving a little bit back. Or if someone comments on one of my technique videos saying, Oh, what would you do if someone did this? and I, if I see that, I'll try and comment back mm-hmm. if I've got time. Mm-hmm. But again, it's for comments and stuff like that. But if I do spot something, I will try and give it back just so people look at you as just like one of the lads and not just some guy who's just up himself and not gonna think he's too good to reply. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, one of the things you talked about, you know, is how much time you spent on the phone. Obviously, you are a digital person, and I think that's a big part of why you're successful. Um, you know, I remember talking to you on the MRT a while ago. Oh, why, you know, are you going to start a brick-and-mortar gym? But you were like, oh, fuck it. Like, I can do all these seminars. I have the training site. What do you feel are the pros and cons of being digital? Um, the pros... Obviously, I think they speak for themselves, right? You, you can advertise, you can promote yourself, you can, as long as you've got good following, you can, the thing is, even if you haven't got a good following, you can promote yourself with good content. That's what you need, good content. If you do have good content, the following will come with it. And then you can promote yourself, you can promote your seminars, you can promote your fights, you can promote my website, my clothing, and everything that will build off of it. The cons is just like what we said, you've always got to be checking your phone every two minutes because, mm-hmm. like, if I wouldn't have checked my phone and I, I didn't see that message from that Nick, well, with Nick's assistant, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have had to go make that money and meet him, who's a great guy, mm-hmm. and have it up that now. So you do always have to keep checking, excuse me, and stuff like that. And um, that's a bit annoying mm-hmm. because, especially if I put a post out on Instagram, then I have to keep looking at my inbox and stuff because that's where a lot of... I should really just say, look, for for 
business seminars. Yeah, for yeah. seminars, etc., etc. Email, W, whatever. Do you know what? I'm not really good with it, as you just saw, and we just tried. <laughs> I'm not actually very good with technology. I'm just good at marketing myself on it. Uh-huh. That's what I'm good at marketing myself. I know how to make a decent video, and I know how to produce good content. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like, doing stuff, I've got people who do stuff for me, like my YouTube channel. I don't run that. I've got my friend who, who knows what he's doing. He runs it for me. And um, any money we make off that, we split. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like obviously my website, I stay out of all that stuff. I have no idea about the technology that goes on and <laughs> on that. I make the videos and say, right, put them in this order and call them this, and he does all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you need good content. Uh, that's one of the pros. And the cons, I say, it's, it's a lot of time to keep pulling in phone out your pocket, looking at every two yeah. minutes just to – you get a bit addicted to it. And then I think, yeah. what if I put on – someone's what if someone questions my technique and I – you get mad sometimes. Well, like, here's me using it in a fight. What? Just behave. You don't, you don't need a reply to that. Just forget yeah. it. That's a bit annoying. Um, and yeah, the trolling is another good. I love the trolling, though. <laughs> Some of it is absolutely amazing. I, I love it. Um, but other than that, it's a, it's a good tool. Yeah, there's. A, I remember one of the more memorable one championship bits they did was you reading out uh, comments from trolls. It was yeah. a good one. It was very good. You know what? Because it was one championship, I asked them as well. I said, right, how X-rated can I be with my replies here? And they went, listen, we don't want to be X-rated. You don't want to look like that. I went, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was still good, though. You know, it, like when you're more popular, people, you know, all sorts of people come out of the woodwork. And the, the good and bad thing about social media is it gives everyone a platform. Yeah, And exactly. so, you know, it makes a, a lot of people are fine with what you're doing. But like, you know, some people just get up on stage because they can get up on stage and then they start saying whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, yeah. It's um you gotta take the rough with this move. There's gonna be haters in everyone who's been successful will have haters and if you do, you haven't got haters, you're not you're you're doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Yeah. Um so we'll we'll wrap things up soon, but I want to ask a few more questions. Um, do you feel like you have a brand and how would you define yourself or define the brand that you have? Um, yeah, I probably do. But the thing is, you'll see, I don't tech fights to where I think like, but you'll see some fighters will get to that back end of the career. Like what Sanchai is doing now, he's protecting his brand. He's fighting all the time, regular still, mm-hmm. but he's fighting anyone who's going to give him any trouble. I'm, I'm nearly 36 now. I could probably get away with now. I get asked all the time by promoters around Europe, oh, will you fight so-and-so on this show? And I've never heard of them. And I go look at them online. And I think, oh, I'll be a bit of an easy fight. What's the point? Mm-hmm. Um, I probably go around and still win these fights and protect my brand and build my record. But I don't want to. I'm signed to one championship. I, I want to fight the best guy still. And I'll mm-hmm. do that until... And when I can't do that anymore, and I can't fight these top-level guys anymore, then I'll just retire. I won't carry on beating up people who aren't as good as me because that's not fair. Um <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, Although, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. But yeah, I do have a brand to protect, obviously, but it's. I think I've I've done all the work for that. I believe I believe I've already got my brand there, and all the stuff that I teach, I've proved that it can work in top level because mm-hmm. I put the video next to it and stuff. And I've obviously, I'll keep adapting myself and as a as a coach as I get on. And yeah, I think I I, I am a brand. Yeah, and I, I do look at myself as a brand, and I think that is that I have built it into something that is i can be proud of really yeah i i definitely think you should be proud of it you spent a lot of time you did the hard yards for sure you know being out here in thailand is not easy you know there's a a lot of reasons why people don't do it Um, yeah you know I, i i also think you know part of your brand if you will is taking the hard fights and not necessarily protecting yourself all the time yeah of course you have to do it. Like I said, I could, I could go on like a 15, 20 fight winning spree now if I just like went around Europe and fought young up and coming fighters who want to make a name for themselves yeah. because I'm experienced to beat them and I probably won't even get touched in most of the fights. Mm-hmm. Like Sanchez, but I don't want to do that. I want to still go to war. I want to still entertain the fans. I want to still like get in there at top level. And I've still got my own goals as a fighter that I have put out in front of everything else. Mm-hmm. Everything I'm in it, my goals are still as a fighter at number one. Yeah. It's just a shit. Get any fucking fights because of COVID. Yeah. But that's going back. But it's going out the window at the minute now. We're looking like we're getting some fights back. 
And um, like I say, I should have three fights set in there by the end of the year so that everything else will be put on the back burner and it'll just be all systems go again. Awesome. Um, just wrapping things up then, um, is there anything you wanted to talk about that we didn't get a chance to talk about? Uh, I think we talk, we pretty much got on with everything there. Um, yeah, covered every, everything that I've got going on in my life, really, which is my seminars, my website, my YouTube channel, my yeah. clothing brand, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, yeah, I think we... I hope like a lot of other fighters can take a bit of a blueprint from this and try and make some from it. And I hope it has. If anyone was wondering about how to build themselves as a brand, I hope there was some interesting information here that can help them. Yeah, you know, I think that's a real takeaway from your career is you've done a very, very good job building yourself in a career where there's been absolutely nothing. You know, so many yeah. Muay Thai fighters have like not been that successful, but you've been able to do it and you have uh, avenues after your fight career you can pick up easily and run. Yeah, no point. The fight has got a shelf life and yeah. I was always worried in, like, in my late 20s I was thinking, what, what am I going to do when I retire here? Just hold pads every single day. Yeah. My shoulders into uh, absolute smithereens and then by the time I'm 50 I'm all hunched over and <laughs> my ass all crippled up stuff and I thought it's got to be more to it than this and then luckily enough I've been able to come up with some good ideas and get the ball rolling on different stuff and they've all come to fruition and it's worked well for me yeah well thank you so much for your time definitely uh you know I encourage people to follow you on Instagram Liam Harrison uh your training site Liam Harrison correct yeah and then yeah. you know obviously if you want to book people book you or Andy both of you maybe for some yeah. hours, you can slide into the DMs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Liam. Not a problem, mate. Thank you very much. So it was really great talking to Liam. He's a super down-to-earth guy. I've met him in person a handful of times. And, you know, what he sounds like is how he is. Definitely has both feet on the ground. And I really appreciate him taking his time out. I think there's some huge takeaways from this interview. You know, the big one I think that, you know, he said is don't be a dick. You know, it's one of the fundamentals of networking and sort of success in life, which I think is really important. You know, what's the point of being a top, top athlete if you're a total asshole? Um, it's just not a good way to live your life. You know, personally, I felt like, you know, when I started being more generous with people, when I started being nicer, my career really took off when I started supporting people more and listening and just being a better person uh, things just opened up for me so definitely the networking the not being a dick and you know the last little bit about having a brand you know I think Liam has done a great job creating some strong exits for him because you never know with a fight career when it's going to end because you could be injured you could break your hand you could break your face you could break your leg and all of a sudden, it's done. It's out. So he's created some really smart exit strategies for himself to push him into a further career. So I'm really happy for him. And I think he offers a real blueprint for success for other athletes. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, as always, for listening. And once again, if you like this show and if you like the content, it would be great if you could share, uh, leave a review on iTunes, and really support the show and what I'm doing here. If you'd like to reach me, you can follow me on Instagram at LucasMoyTai or email me at a.matt.lucas at gmail.com. As always, this has been On Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people.